Hello, and welcome to the Blog You Want in a Time You Have podcast, the show that empowers you to stop making excuses to not blog and realize the potential of content marketing. I'm your host, Scott Winteroth, co-founder of contentacademy.com. I invite you to join me each episode for actionable strategies for elevating your blog to the next level and hear from other content rock stars who will share with you exactly what keeps them on task so you can stop wishing for success and start living to your fullest potential. Ready? Three, two, one, publish. Hello, and welcome to the Blog You Want and the Time You Have podcast, episode number 30, with your host, Scott Winteroth. That's me. All right. This episode, I'm really, really, really excited to present to you, which is an interview with designer and web developer, Rafael Tomel. For many years, Rafael has led the design direction for Rainmaker Digital, which is the company that is founded by Brian Clark and also the owner at the time of Studio Press, which is a premium theme studio for WordPress themes. And ultimately, um, Rafael has produced many, many very, very beautiful looking themes over the years. And I thought it would be interesting to bring him on to the show to talk a little bit about one, his content strategy, because he's a content marketer, content creator, but two, sort of the design of blogs and websites. Rafael has produced many, many beautiful and stunning looking blogs uh, over the years. And I thought it would be an opportunity to sort of talk about some of his philosophies. And he does. On the show, we talk about his sort of three main philosophies of design. And I'll let him explain that to you in the show. But also, we get into sort of some of the more technical details, like kind of going over fonts, what type of fonts you should use, how the new WordPress Gutenberg editor will sort of enrich storytelling, as well as how it may be um, sort of uh, disruptive for what we're used to in the WordPress community. Uh, also, um, I, I sort of pick his brain a little bit about being a content marketer. Rafael, over the years, has produced a very beautiful book on design and web design. And I asked him sort of how he uh, took the time to produce that content. And then also how he's sort of pivoting that content now from a book that is sort of getting out of date into now what he's building is an online community for design and a course. This is a great interview. Definitely check it out. And just a reminder, this podcast is brought to you by contentacademy.com. If you're interested in getting into a career in content strategy, check out Content Academy as we have a 10-week applied content strategy course online, which lets you learn how to get into this in-demand career focusing on content development and content strategy and taught by Rebecca Stewart, who I have to give a shout out. Rebecca, uh, the co-founder of Content Academy, now has her own podcast over at succeedwithcontentstrategy.com. I mentioned in the show, but also don't forget to check out Succeed with Content Strategy. She has got a lot of great episodes on diving into content strategy for your business and or content strategy as a career. So definitely check that out. Learn about our applied content strategy course taught by Rebecca, and also get it, get on it. And finally, don't forget to take the blogging challenge, which is a free seven-day email drip course that I have created just for you if you are interested in starting and building your own blog and getting into writing and creating content. Check it out at blogyouwant.com, and you'll see at the very top of the page a link to the blogging challenge. That's it for now. Dive into the episode, and I hope you enjoy. Thank you. All right, everyone, welcome to another edition of The Blog You Want and Time You Have with Scott Winteroth. I'm really excited to be here with someone who I've been following and admiring for a long time in the digital design space is Rafael Tomel, who is local here in Chicago with me, so another local guy. I'm happy to have that 
happy to, to plug that. And uh, Raphael has had a really, really uh, fantastic career in design and, and uh, digital strategy and, and um, a lot of really cool stuff. And before I get too far into it, I thought it'd be great just to let you uh, let him introduce himself and talk, talk a little bit about your backstory. Uh, Raphael, welcome. Welcome to the show. And uh, hello. Give us, give us your story. Yeah. Hi, Scott. Thank you for having me. So my, my name is Rafal Kamal, and I'm a designer and a web developer. I'm working mainly with WordPress, and that's what I am known for, mm -hmm. all my work for, for the WordPress. Um, I used to work for almost eight years as the lead designer and finally the VP of design for Rainmaker Digital uh, Company. That mm -hmm. is more known uh, of the websites like Copyblogger and StudioPress. And now I'm focusing on my own personal projects. I, I run my own blog at uh, rafalkamal.com mm -hmm. where I write about design, my work, and I share some of my free design tools. I, I write a lot about my design processes. I, I'm trying to show some of the behind the scenes of the projects we did uh, for Studio Press and, and Copyblogger. And uh, a couple years ago, I also self-published my own ebook called mm -hmm. uh, The Essential Web Design Handbook mm -hmm. to help designers improve their skills and their visual design process. And I'm currently working on, on the design class. Uh, it will be a series of courses about designing for the web. It's, it's kind of an extension of, the, of my ebook. My ebook was uh, it's like a smaller version of, the, of, the, of what I'm working right on right now. And well, I think... That's all. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, it's it's great, and that, to call it an ebook, I think, is sort of uh, misleading. I think it was a beautifully designed uh, PDF uh, manual that that um, you know I would. It's hard to call it an ebook. It was definitely a, a great. I highly recommend people check it out, and uh, I think they can. It's still available. If not, it'll be wrapped up in your course, right? Yeah. So the ebook is not. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. not available right now. Mm -hmm. I took it down. I think. Uh, over a year ago, I thought like that the information is can be kind of can could be a little bit outdated. So mm -hmm. I wanted to take it down, start working on the course, and and the course uh, will be extension of the, of the ebook. Okay, great. Well, I know uh, I'd definitely be happy to link that to in the show notes of the episode. But before we get back into that, I wanted to kind of take a step back a little bit. And I know you you are a busy guy. You've got a lot of things going on, and um, I like to ask this to everyone: sort of, what is your ideal post? Um, I know over the years that uh, I've seen you do, you've been doing quick tips and stuff like that. Um, in terms of your content marketing strategy, do you have any particular type of ideal post or any type of ideal content that works for you to help drive people to your site? Yeah, so on my blog, some of the most uh, effective posts I wrote or got the most uh, traction mm -hmm. was the making, making of posts. And those were the tutorials or... Uh, more like a, a post, post where I showed the process behind some of the projects I did. And mm -hmm. I realized that people, people are, even if it's not you know, teaching, teaching something, even if mm -hmm. it's not you know, sharing some new knowledge, people are just interested to see how I uh, worked on a project, what, were, what, was my, uh, my, what were my thoughts before, be, behind some of the decisions we made, design mm -hmm. decisions. And that's that's was you know, I think eye-opening moment for me because I realized that I don't need to come up with some new information, new knowledge. I don't need to invent something new. I can just document things that I already did and 
show my process, even if it's, you know, either, either it's good or bad, I'm showing my process, I'm showing what I did and how, and people just love that kind of content. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, uh, I, I know I enjoy getting your, your emails when they come out or your content when it comes out, so, so for sure. Um, and and you, that, mentioned, uh, you mentioned the weekly, uh, my weekly tips. Yeah. So that, was, that was another thing I realized that I always wanted to create regular content and it was, it was quite hard uh, writing articles for me and posted, posting them every week. Mm -hmm. So I try this uh, weekly tips uh, newsletter format when I write very short. Those are like two, three sentences, uh, quick tips. And I can write, you know, 10 of them in one day mm -hmm. in just a couple hours and, and schedule them ahead. And I have content ready for my newsletter for the next couple months. So that's, that also works very well for me. So you kind of batch create a little bit, like you maybe you spend like a whole day writing a, a couple of tips and then you, you drip them out. Is that my understanding? Yes. Yes. And uh, yeah, that works very well for me because I can, you know, I can do this, I can schedule them and then I don't have to think about them for the, for the couple, couple of months. Do you have a, that, great. Do you have a particular um, uh, way that you collect ideas for content? Uh, I know you mentioned that it's sort of reflective of your work, but other than, other than maybe being inspired by your work, do you have any other ways of collecting content for your, your blog? Uh, so I usually take a lot of notes and document uh, whatever project I'm working on. So I never, I never start with a blank page and try to come up with a topic uh, for my new post. Mm -hmm. No, it starts with some notes I already took while while working on some on something, and I start from there. So I'm trying to, you know, it's, it, it usually is. Uh, I'm going through my notes and see, oh, that's something that was uh, very important to me to take a note of. So it would probably make a good post, and you know, get get some more research on it, and and mm -hmm. write something more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Got it. Got it. Now. One of the things that I think has been sort of your signature uh, that I've noticed in terms of your design work over the years is it's been, and you may, you may cringe when I say this, it's very clean design. I don't know um, if, if you like that word or, or not, but I know people use that a lot in the, uh, in the web design space, clean or minimalist or whatever, um, for the most part. I mean, tell us a little bit about your, if you, you know, your, I know I'm throwing this on you, but tell us a little bit about your design, design philosophy a little bit in terms of blogs and, and, um, uh, if you have any sort of concepts and how uh, maybe someone who's starting a blog or, or has a blog, if there's any maybe tips that they could use for um, coming from a, an experienced designer like yourself. Yeah. So as you mentioned, uh, having a clean design is very, very important. And mm -hmm. uh, some, I have, I think I have like three main uh, philosophies for mm -hmm. my design. I'm always trying to, to follow. And the first one is simplicity. So I'm always trying to make uh, my website as simple as possible, not to overcomplicate the layout, not to overcomplicate the, the color palette, uh, trying to keep even the, the text, the copy, very simple, easy, short sentences. It's all, I feel like it's all part of the design. Uh, when someone comes to your website and you might have a very clean and, and simple design, but you have a ton of you know, text and, and long paragraphs of, of copy that is hard to read that might be a little bit discouraging and so it's, it's also a part of design how you write your copy how you present your your, your copy mm -hmm. um it's also you know um 
the, the simplicity is also proven by many studies. And I think that one of the most uh, famous study was made by Google. Uh, it was, I think, in 2012 or 13. They presented websites to people, and some of the websites were with very low visual complexity. Some of them were very high visual complexity. And some websites uh, had a very standard layout that is typical, for example, for blogs with a sidebar on the one side, content on the other side. And then and they realized that those websites that have a low visual complexity and have a and follow some kind of prototype for this kind of website are seen by the visitors are more visual appealing than, than other websites. Even if it, you know, if you look closer, you could see, oh, that's, that's more beautiful design uh, than this one. But if you if you show the website, you know, and 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 saw it only for a couple seconds, that the the one with a simple design and uh, lower visual complexity will be much more um, nicely looking to you than a complex website. And that's how we later later remember our first impression. Our it stick with us, you know, for the rest of the experience. Mm -hmm. So so the simplicity is very important. Um, the other thing is consistency. And I'm trying to always uh, keep my design consistent uh, from the homepage to the last page, even to the email, uh, to the email you, you receive after signing up to my newsletter. I'm trying to continue the same, uh, using the same fonts if possible. An email newsletter, not always, you may not be always uh, be able to use the fonts uh, using the website. But you know, the colors, uh, illustrations, Almost everything else you can you can try to keep consistent across the entire website. Um, and the last thing will be user-centered design. I'm trying to think about my website as my users, as my visitors think, mm -hmm. trying to see through their uh, their eyes and see how what they are expecting from my website. You know what they like about my website. Um, if I'm designing for older audience, then I'm. I know that the copy, uh, the, the typography should be clear enough, bigger, with a high, with a high contrast. If I'm designing for, for designers, then I know I can, I can be a bit more creative and, and try to do something different, you know, inspire them in some, some ways. So I think those three things are, are the most important for me in my work, yeah. I have some like maybe technical questions for you, if you don't mind, in terms of uh, blog content and typography. You know, um, I, I know you've, you've I, from from what I've seen from your work, you tend to use larger fonts in in, in your work. Um, is it, and also um, I noticed that they're what we would call uh, or what's called um, sans serif fonts, right? Uh, for most of your your blog content and stuff like that, is that is that what you think is a good best practice for? Um, that type of, of copy or, or blog content, if you will? Yeah, so sensor fonts are um, generally considered as a better type of uh, typefaces for, for any digital mm -hmm. uh, materials. So on the, on the screen, it's much easier for humans to read uh, sensor fonts. But on the other side, when you read a newspaper, or I know uh, something that is printed out on the paper, then the serif fonts might work better in in that case. Mm -hmm. But you can see um, so there is there is a few things. If you are using sans serif fonts, you can you don't need to keep that huge uh, spaces between lines. 
you know, when, you, mm-hmm. when, you, when it comes to line spacing, you can squish them a bit more and, and it still be readable and nice to read. When you, if you use serif fonts, you may want to add a bit more space because all those serifs are, give a little bit more uh, complexity to, to your reading experience, I think. Mm-hmm. And I would also use much bigger fonts for serif. Uh, if you use serif fonts, I would use much bigger sizes because you know those are those would be harder to read if the font is very small. So generally, uh, sensory fonts I think are easier to work with on the web. Got it. Got it. I think that's a great tip. Thank you for sharing that. Um, the the next question I have comes kind of comes to design on the design level too. And um, I know you're a, you're a WordPress guy. You've been using WordPress for a long time. Um, and obviously, there's sort of this whole new transition into the, the Gutenberg editor and stuff like that. Um, do you foresee that the Gutenberg editor will sort of change the way we design blog posts in the future? Or maybe today, but, you know, coming up, that it's no longer just basically a, a square of copy that we, you know, put yeah. words into, but rather more of a whole... Um, story, if you will. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm curious to get if you have any thoughts on on how that could change being a blogger or being a content creator and mm. also from a design aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really hoping that it would change in a good way because sometimes if you give uh, users too many options and too many, too many possibilities of design, some people go crazy and use them all. And <laughs> that's always uh, trying to limit any too many design settings and options in our in our teams or you know mm-hmm. plugins or whatever. Just because uh, not everyone is a designer and not everyone should be a designer, it seems mm-hmm. like an easy job to do. You know, just change the color or font or, or you know other elements and and shouldn't be that hard. But you can actually you know hurt uh, the website and hurt yourself more. <laughs> <laughs> than, than, than you think uh, if you change it in the wrong way. And with Gutenberg, I hope um, that it will be used in a good way. Mm-hmm. I don't think people, you know, I, don't, I, I wouldn't like to see people changing font sizes and, you know, making, making the post inconsistent uh, in terms of changing heading sizes, you know, across the page. And that will be different from heading sizes on another, on another post. So I'm hoping um, the way that people use will use Gutenberg, they will and they will try to enrich the story they tell. So maybe use more images, more interesting uh, layouts, and I'd like I'd love to see that because right now most of the blogs uh, use very simple layout. You know, it's uh, just vertical layout uh, without any any. Um, too complicated uh, ideas, and that's 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 a good thing. But you know, for some posts and some articles, it will be also it could be more interesting to see if there is a, a black quote, you know, hanging uh, with a negative margin on the on one side, and there is a photo, you know, not a f- full width photo or a small photo in the center with white space around it, but you know, a nicely. Uh, Incorporated photo in the con- between the content with loaded with the content loaded around the photo, you know stuff like that. I think it, uh, that, that I'm hoping Gutenberg will help with, and people will be more creative the way they they tell stories, they post. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be interesting because I agree and from a content strategy and from a design strategy that it's going to be interesting when um, more users have more control over different aspects of the design or the, the experience, but we will see. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a good thing in, in general, but I'm but, uh, not sure how uh, we'll be able to control it, if you will, um, from that perspective. But, but yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, if, if you are not a designer and want to play with Gutenberg, I would just play it safe and, and you know, use it as an editor, you know, and it would be much, I think it would be much easier to, to write posts and edit them now with Gutenberg. And you can use it just for that without, you know, overcomplicating uh, the layout and, and, and the entire uh, experience. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how do you keep, how do you keep yourself productive in terms of creating content? Do you uh, have any type of system? I know you mentioned you batch create, so maybe you spend like a day that you that you create content. But do you have any other uh, systems that you use to um, help you focus on being a productive person? Maybe not just for creating content, but in general as a as a designer, as a business owner, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, so as a as a blogger, I don't write too often and mm -hmm. regularly as I as I wish I could. And mm -hmm. It's partially because I was always busy with my work and, and doing, pro doing, doing design projects. Mm -hmm. And um, when I write content, I usually, uh, I feel like I have some motivation to do this. And then I write two or three blog posts uh, at once. I schedule them. And then I forget about the blog for the next couple months. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I usually work as a blogger. And, and I feel like this is, the, this is the way I work with all the projects I need. I need some, you know, attention. I need some focus on it. Uh -huh. I, I don't like, you know, I like to work on something for a certain period of time, being 100% focused on that thing. Mm -hmm. When I'm done, then I can move to another thing. I don't like, uh, I, I wouldn't be able to reserve a certain amount of time every day, for example, to write a, a piece of a blog post. I, mm -hmm. Once I started, I need to finish it and, and move to another thing. And the same with design and the same with uh, any other projects. And that's, uh, that's a good thing and sometimes it's a bad thing. Uh, mm -hmm. Some projects are, you know, I, I'm excited about doing some new projects and I start working on them, especially if those are personal projects I'm not obligated to finish it at all. Mm -hmm. And I spend uh, three or four days working on it, realizing that it wasn't a good idea or I'm not as excited anymore about this project as I was in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So then I drop it and... and start working on something else, I never go back to that first project. So, so I have a lot of those. I'm never finished personal projects on my, on my desk. Yeah. But I think, uh, I think it's uh, similar probably for, for most, uh, most creative people. Yeah, I, I can say I've got plenty of those myself. But um, you got to get those out to the world. We all want them. We all want them. <laughs> but uh, the, the, so you, you, I know you mentioned your book is in transition, but I'm curious about how you worked on getting that done. I know it was a pretty in-depth piece. So like, is it something that you, you maybe sat down and did it all at once or did you break it up at all? Or, or you know, can you share a little bit about that process for you? Yeah, so writing a book uh, was a pretty long process. And I, I was excited. I started doing this. I spent, uh, I don't know, maybe a month or two months gathering information, uh, research, and outlining what, I, what, what it's supposed to be about. Mm -hmm. And I think I got like 50% done. And mm -hmm. then I, of course, 
lose uh, I lost my motivation <laughs> and excitement about it so yeah uh, I left it uh, for a year maybe or even more on the side and then uh, then I got back to this I think my uh, my wife was pregnant back then and mm. the thought of having a baby soon motivated me that <laughs> I want to do something and you know at least finally finish some of the projects yeah right, so, right. Yeah. And I think someone called it a baby effect or something <laughs> that really motivates you and, and push you harder to, to finish your things, finish, uh, finish your projects. So, so my, my, my daughter was born in December 2014 and in January I published the ebook. So I was working really hard. I wanted to publish, publish it before my daughter was born. But I, I couldn't achieve that. I mean, the, the book was done. I just wanted to do a bit more marketing and, and then yeah. a good sales page and send the, the entire content uh, to an editor and all that stuff. So that mm -hmm. delayed the entire process. But I mean, I was, mm -hmm. yeah, because you, like, you had a book and then you had, you had like uh, goodies and stuff like that. Like you had a whole like marketing. Um, it wasn't just the book. You had like a whole like portal and stuff like that too. And I imagine that took a little bit of time to build all that as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. I created some tools uh, in, for Photoshop and Illustrator mm -hmm. who were supporting the book. Uh, so you could learn from the book and use the tools uh, to create your, your own designs. And this is something similar I'm doing right now with my, with the design class, my course. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm planning to create a design community It'll be similar to the to the membership area I had before, but mm -hmm. now design community will be uh, will be more like a premium membership. Mm -hmm. You will get a, a one year free access when you buy a design class. So for for the first full year, you have a full access to it, you, and that will be a place where you can communicate with other designers. That's something I was always missing with the with the ebook that I couldn't find a place um, for other you know. All the students, all the people who bought my ebook, to communicate between each other and, and talk, you know, exchange mm -hmm. experiences, maybe post uh, some designs they made and gather feedback, you know, from other people. They were sending me emails and I was sending back and forth, sometimes same questions, same answers. I always wanted to have a place where we could all communicate, like in our own small social network and help each other uh, achieve our goals, be better designers. So that's what I'm hoping to to get with the design community, and and um, and I'm planning to create more tools, more like templates for Photoshop, for Sketch, for Illustrator that you can download, use for your own work, um, you know, in the way you you want. Cool. Yeah, that that sounds great. I know um, the community aspect is hard because <laughs> it has to kind of cut be organic, but also you want to help facilitate it. So. For sure. So yeah, so community, you, you have a new course. Tell us a little bit more about the course and how people can find information about that. Yeah, so design class, I'm still working on it. And I just re released uh, the first lesson. It's a free lesson. So if you go to my website and go to design class, you will find a email sign up form that you can uh, actually, you can access the, the, the lesson for free without any registration even uh, without any obligation. You can just go to design class, click uh, the intro to web design. The whole, the whole intro to web design part will be free for everyone. So you can access there and uh, you can read the first lesson for free. 
you can leave your email, sign up if you want to get, uh, get notified about future lessons. So that's, that's where it starts, uh, with the free lessons. And uh, I'm planning to release later this year, I hope by the end of this year, a uh, web typography course. It'll be focused only around web typography. It's my mm -hmm. favorite topic. I think uh, web um, typography is like 95% of every website. So if you learn how to design a good typography, you'll be already a, a good designer and, and your website will look much better. So I'm hoping to release that by the end of the year and this will be the first uh, part of my, of my of the design class. Uh, that, that will be a, like a premium part that you pay for, but uh, it'll be a real content uh, where you can learn a lot from. Well, I might have, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but we have another podcast called Succeed, Succeed with Content Strategy with my co-founder, Rebecca Stewart. And uh, I'm sure she would love to talk to you about typography in more depth. So I might ask you to be on that podcast as well, if you're interested. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, well, great. People, I definitely want, want to check out your first lesson of your course. And, you know, um, you've got a, what, your wealth of information. I would love to learn anything I can from you. And I know my, my listeners will as well. Um, so we'll definitely check out your site. I'll add all the links into the show notes. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I guess my final question, any, any themes in the future? Are you going to be working on any themes in the future? In the future? New so, uh, I'm, I'm working right now on a, I think, oh, it should be actually maybe even released by the time, uh, uh -huh. this, this episode is published. Okay. Uh, so that was a new theme for studio press. Um, uh, we're working on. That was my last uh, design for Studio Press. Okay, I did, and I may be still designing something for Studio Press once in a while. Okay, so we'll see that. And um, I was also always interested to, to release some of my uh, teams on my own, and I did that before I joined Studio Press. I had my small team shop for a while. Uh huh. And uh, well, I will see. I will see how the design course goes, and if I have any time left. To design any themes you, you I mean this is sort of a side question but do you think it's still a good time to start a, a theme company or a theme shop these days in WordPress do you think it's still a viable uh, thing for people to do I think it might make sense if you have a very specific niche and mm -hmm. and you have your already have your audience and and you want to build design themes just for those people and, mm -hmm. and I think that could make sense like the theme if I ever design a theme on my own. I wouldn't start like a theme shop and make a, you know, themes for everyone. Mm -hmm. I was more thinking about uh, having a theme, for example, for designers. And so they could present their, their portfolio, their services, you know, kind of like a solution for freelance mm -hmm. design business. So you can, you can install and you can use the format, the layout of the homepage I use uh, for your own freelance business. And, and that would pro probably, that would be all. Yeah. <laughs> niche, yeah. I, yeah. I niche, niche themes huh that would be the, the <laughs> focus cool yeah well I just because I know you're in you've been in that business for a long time and I'm just curious if it's still a good time and I know that the WordPress world has changed a lot in, in the last and there's a lot of big dominant players in this space yeah and I think Gutenberg is bringing some new opportunities if you mm -hmm. if you were if you are thinking about starting a team shop in 2008 2009 Mm -hmm. That's kind of like a second, it could be like, like a second wave uh, you can jump on and if you, you know, find, find some problems people have or find a gap, 
Mm-hmm. Could, you know how Gutenberg could be used in a certain ways um, that, would, that could help to solve those problems. I think that could be a, a next big thing for Studio for for WordPress. For sure, for sure. Well, I'll definitely be keeping my eyes out. I got some uh, got some ideas for some themes myself, but it's kind of a weird time. I'm not sure if I want to want to launch a WordPress theme right now or not. You know, but yeah. So cool. Well, Rafael, thank you again for being on the show and. Um, I will have all your, your, what's a good way for people to get in touch with you or people to follow you on the web right now? Yeah, so you can find me on my website, rafaltamal.com. You can find me on Twitter, uh, same name, first name, same last name. <laughs> yeah. So whatever you type it in, I, I will probably be there. Uh, you may want to check my, how to uh, write my, my name uh, <laughs> on my website because it could be hard to... Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, we'll, we'll add the, the official links in the uh, show notes. And, uh, and uh, that's it for now. Thanks for, thanks for chatting. Sure. Thank you, Scott. All right. That's a wrap for this episode of the Blog You Want in the Time You Have podcast with Scott Wintrot. If you have any questions or would like to send me some feedback, please email me at hello at blogyouwant.com and I'll be in touch. Uh, please feel free to leave a review on the podcast service of your choice. And share this podcast with somebody you think might find of interest. Uh, That's it for this week. Bye for now.